Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining us today is accredited investment fiduciary designee and director of employer-sponsored retirement plans at Saxon Financial Services, Todd Yowett. Thank you for joining me, Todd. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Todd, we value your partnership, and we're so excited to have you as a guest on our podcast. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of interesting information from you as we talk today. Can you start by sharing with us how you got started in the financial services industry as a whole? Sure. Um, you know, I never grew up saying I wanted to be in the financial services business, but, you know, I graduated college and, um, you know, my first job was at a, at a bank uh, where I got a job in a corporate trust department. And uh, what we did is we uh, did record keeping on uh, industrial revenue bond issues, which don't exist anymore. But that's how I started. And after three years at the bank, I decided that I didn't want a career in banking. So I uh, ended up going to work for a general agency and got into the life insurance and investment business accidentally. I just thought I could uh, uh, make a difference by, you know, helping people specifically, as well as making better income than I could make at, uh, at a bank. Yeah. You know, so many of my guests uh, have gotten here accidentally. I, too, actually landed in this uh, industry accidentally. What was your undergraduate degree in? Was it finance? So I had a bachelor's of business administration in finance, correct? Sometimes we just have a, well, I'm, I'm aging you and I a little bit here, I suppose, but especially back then, kids have more access to resources to help them be more specific these days. But Finance was a re- really broad category, right? It could go f- in a lot of ways, and oftentimes our first job doesn't end up being the thing that we were most passionate about, but at least it tells us the value of knowing what you don't want to do is almost as important as what you do want to do along the way. I'm going to follow up one uh, more step on that. So, so many people's journeys are maybe a different area of high-level finance, then they get into the insurance side of things, that was much more common coming out of the gate even back um, in that time frame. But what then, tell me about the journey of how you got into the independent space, because it is so much different than, you know, straight insurance. Yeah, well, my journey is a real crooked road. So like I said, I, I uh, got into the insurance, the life insurance and investment business uh, with a general agency. That general agency, because of the life insurance company it was behind, uh, went out of business. So uh Moved on to another general agency, and at that general agency, I was actually at a uh, Christmas party, and the general agent uh, approached me and said, how would you like to specialize in retirement plans? I'm like, what? (laughs) That's how it started, and the next thing I know, I was down at Corbell School down in Florida, learning all about uh, defined pension uh, plans and and defined contribution plans, so that's how it all really started, but then I I gave up on that side of the business back in 1994, and became a wholesaler for uh, a record keeper and did that for, actually I worked for two different record keepers, but I did that over a span of 14 years. And then in uh, 2008, I decided I don't want to be a, re- I don't want to be a wholesaler anymore. I want to, you know, go back and be a, an advisor again. So I just happened to, you know, Saxon Financial was one of my clients as a wholesaler. And, um, you know, they say, hey, we really want to build out a retirement plan shop. Would you be interested in running it for us? So that's how I hooked up with them. And they're already they're already representatives of, uh, of Cambridge. So I really don't have any other knowledge of other types of broker dealers because I've always been an independent. 
that's a, another really important fact for our listeners, especially that aren't familiar with our industry to maybe understand is that there are also many opportunities to come and go out of different areas of specialty. And yours, as you just said, great, great segue is, I understand the employer-sponsored retirement planning space, as you just described for a long time. So give us a little bit more detail around what you find fulfilling about that particular specialty. Why has it held your attention and, and kind of brought you back? Well, I, I've always, uh, you know, going back to before wholesaling, going back to that first uh, life insurance investment world, um, I prospected in the small business market space. And I had family, uh, family and friends that own small businesses that, you know, I, I realized the value of helping those folks because they turn the lights on in the morning, they make the cup of coffee, you know, they make the widgets, uh, they have to do payroll. And they're the people that need the most help from any financial services business, hands down versus kind of a you know, very large business with a huge HR department. They don't really need as much help. But so that's how I kind of got into the small business marketplace. But then on the retirement plan side, like I said, it was it was purely accidental. And I was already doing employee benefits and life insurance for business owners and all that. And so they, it was just kind of a natural transition into uh, the employer-sponsored retirement plan space. And But what gives me fulfillment on that is I know that every day, especially with the fiduciary services that I'm providing, I know every day that I'm, I'm helping not only the, the business owners, uh, but I'm helping their employees and their employees' beneficiaries. And, and uh, I think the value of trying to help folks build a nice, solid nest egg for themselves Further retirement is really what gets me up in the morning uh, because it's important with obviously what's going on in Washington and Social Security and everything else like that, uh, that they have a, a, a nest egg that they build for themselves. So um, I'm happy to help them. And things have changed a lot in that environment since you started. How Have you had to change your business in any significant ways from you know early on when maybe more pension profit sharing type arrangements were available in today's world, not so much. How has that changed for you? Yeah, I, I think the regulations have gotten stricter and we have more of them than when we started. Like I, I like to joke back in the day, it was like the wild west, uh, not only for advisors, but for for, uh, for financial services companies. And uh, you know, the government has through the years thrown out a whole bunch of regulations on how we do our business. So I think, I think the biggest, change for me was, uh, you know, back in uh, 2008, 2009, when the word fiduciary started being thrown around. And there was kind of a flavor in the air that, or, um, you know, winds of change that, you know, everybody that was going to be involved in a retirement plan business would have to be a fiduciary. So that's where I, you know, I, <laughs> I joke with Colleen Bell all the time. It's, uh, I was like one of the early adopters of being a fiduciary, and, and she had to get her team to, to build, uh, build out some, some agreements for me and, and whatnot. And so I, I think that made the biggest change in my life was that I decided to become a fiduciary, get accredited with FI360 as an AIF, and, and be committed uh, to doing that. I think that was my biggest change versus just being a, uh, a commissioned advisor or even a fee-based advisor, but not really providing uh, full fiduciary services. And you're the specialty contact in your office for this topic, right? How, how does that work? Like when do you commonly partner with the others in the office that maybe don't have as much experience as you do? What are the different ways that you can work with somebody as it relates to helping them out in this environment? Because it is so complex and highly regulated. 
Sure. So at Saxon, we have about 10 different advisors uh, running around. Not all of them are securities uh, registered because we do have an employee benefit side and an insurance side to our business. But there's people out talking to prospects and, and business owners. And so for the most part, most of the folks will actually just hand me a referral and say, this person asked about it, you know, can you give them a call and, and help them out? And we have kind of a good relationship amongst the producers to where uh, we're able to do that. And I'm able to refer, you know, the Medicare piece to our Medicare specialist, or like I said, employee benefits or employee benefits specialist. So most of the time we just kind of share leads and not expect to be involved in the process if we don't specialize in it. Uh, we do have some detached advisors that want to dabble in a little bit of everything, and that's fine as well. With those folks, uh, we I make myself available to answer their questions and kind of guide them and make sure that they don't go off the wrong uh, path. That makes sense. So on the other side then, describe what the perfect client looks like. Is there you know ideal client definition that you utilize as, as it relates to this type of business? Yeah, well, I don't... I don't like specialize in any industry uh, or anything. Uh, I Again, I mainly specialize in the small to mid-sized market space. So for the most part, companies with less than 200 employees and a lion's share of my business is less than 100 employees. Doesn't mean that I don't have larger uh, business, but that's really where my focus is because I want to help the folks that need my services and need my help the most. That makes sense. Um, and definitely on sometimes I'm sure you run into people where this is for the most part their largest, if not only investment, right? It is it is their retirement. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even the business owners, because outside of hey, I'm gonna one day sell my business, the four oh one K is their largest nest egg. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. What kind of process do you put a client through to make sure they're a good match for your business? Do you have a intake process that you can share with the audience? Yeah, so that you know, I'm at I'm at the the point in my career where 100% of my business is referral based. So, you know, again, it doesn't mean some referrals aren't as better than others, but you know, the uh, the nice thing about referrals is the folks that are actually giving me the referrals kind of have an idea of a my capabilities, my services, and what I'm looking for. But in general, it's it's really it's somebody that understands the value of my services because I'm not necessarily the cheapest guy on the street, uh, but I am providing a lot more services than most. But uh, so we're looking for business owners that understand or even HR folks at those businesses that understand the value of what we're providing. And I'm never going to be working with a client that's all about cost. The minute I kind of fish that out in the introductory questions that we ask, you know, I'll walk away from a, I'll walk away from a deal. Um, and I've actually fired clients that uh, were either not uh, working with me the way that they should have been working with me or started, you know, hemming and hawing about fees or whatnot. So we're just looking for folks that need our help and are willing to work with us. And if we ask them to do something, they're willing to do that. Um, and then again, people that uh, understand the value of the services that we're providing. I think that's a great approach, very similar to Cambridge, right? I think there's no right or wrong necessarily in the industry, but for us, you want to make sure that you have the profitability and the uh, capabilities to bring a really strong product to the market, to your clients. And that makes the alignment a really important thing. And with what you're doing, let's go back to that fiduciary nature and the importance of it. 
getting away on the cheap probably isn't the safest thing to do when you're talking about something like your retirement anyway. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the liability uh, and the service work that we're offloading a client's uh, plate um, to ours uh, is definitely well worth spending, spending a few other few extra dollars to get that service. Yeah, agreed. Good. Todd, I know that you've done some guest speaking for many retirement plan industry groups covering topics like plan design, regulations, and the topic we were just talking about, fiduciary responsibilities. What are some of the resources and tools that you use as a professional to keep yourself up to date with the trends and the regulatory changes? Well, I think it starts every day. Uh, we get newsletters from NAPA, National Association of Plan Advisors. Uh, we get newsletters from uh, Plan Advisor and Plan Sponsor. So you're getting that daily news feed from them and kind of keeps you abreast of what's going on in Washington, as well as uh, trends in the industry and with products. Uh, I think it also then trickles down to the relationship we have with wholesalers both from the mutual fund side, as well as the record keeper side, keeping us abreast on what they're hearing um, in the industry and, you know, where they think things are going. And then, you know, also gets down to, uh, you know, the, the required CEs that I have with FI360. You know, those training classes are, are wonderful ways to not only refresh your knowledge, but also to uh, understand what's going on in the industry, uh, you know, up to date. Have any of those organizations, um, setting aside the last couple of years, because nobody's going to D.C. or even state lobbying venues face-to-face, -face, but let's think before that, um, have you have any of those organizations assisted or have you independently um, spent any amount of time lobbying, especially around the, you know, the time frame you were describing earlier when the regulations really started to percolate. Um, how, how did you make sure that you could lend your voice to what we wanted the regulators to understand about our business when they were making the rules? Yeah, so uh, I have not had the opportunity to go down to Washington personally, uh, in person, but, you know, we have written letters uh, at the bequest of uh, uh, the National Association of uh, Plan Advisors to, to voice our support for what they were lobbying. And, and that's, the, that's the nice advantage to being a member of NAPA. Uh, because they are the lobby and they have a lot of power down there and and they're in the ears of Congress every day to, to help to help us. And then uh, FSI, another organization, you know, they're not specific to retirement plans, but they are they do have the independent uh, investment advisors um, best interests at heart. So uh, that's another one. I've written letters to Washington, to our congressmen to, uh, you know, to, to back what they were uh, requesting. That's great. Well, thank you for that support. You know, it's uh, as a firm, Cambridge is really engaged with a lot of those organizations to make sure that we're contributing where we can, whether it be sending letters, offering um, insight to those organizations on how a particular rule may or may not impact us. Um, but it's really important from a grassroots perspective for all of us to take some responsibility to engage. Otherwise, we end up with things that don't quite work for us. That's true. <laughs> we still do, but <laughs> I think we, we try to minimize that. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. You're also a member of Cambridge's Retirement Advisory Council. You talked a minute ago about Colleen Bell, and um, she leads our retirement center efforts at the highest levels here at Cambridge. So thank you for your contributions to that council. 
It's a group of financial professionals that we use as a sounding board, as you know, and an advisory board, if you will, on uh, retirement-related topics. Can you explain to our listeners some of the work that that council has done and how you've contributed? Yeah, so through the years, we've kind of shared our ideas, opinions. We're a very opinionated group. Our ideas and our opinions uh, to the retirement center folks. And, you know, as far as direction for, you know, what Cambridge can do to support us, the the tools that we need, uh, possibly website, you know, going more technology-based versus paper and all that. So we've provided all that kind of guidance and then what kind of tools that that we would want to use uh, from third-party platforms that they were able then to start negotiating at a high level, maybe pricing and things like that uh, uh, to make our jobs easier and more efficient. So that's kind of what we do. And, and they, you know, from time to time say, hey, you know, this is coming down a pike, like more recently, you know, uh, pooled employer plans have come online. And, um, you know, during that process, uh, you know, they asked, uh, well, specifically my opinion, because I actually built a private label PEP. So it's really just kind of a two-way conversation all the time where, you know, they're, they're looking for ideas and, you know, hey, we came across this uh, technology you think you could use it in your practice and then we kind of demo it and say yeah we like this or we don't like that so uh, that's that's the that's the value with that advisory kind of council that we have uh, the other thing too is just that we just built a, a tight network of um, you know Cambridge family you know we we share ideas with each other we help each other with questions we help each other with problems that they might be experiencing that we may have already experienced. So, you know, helping each other out, that's part of that committee is also a big part of it. And then we, uh, obviously we get together, you know, we get together at the retirement plan conference once a year uh, and we do a monthly uh, teleconference. So, you know, we're just, what we're trying to do with this group is a, to make sure that they have the resources and the technology to expand their retirement presence in their markets. Also to share ideas with how possibly we and Cambridge can help um, advisors that stumble across 401k plans as opposed to intentionally try to write them. That's another, another nice thing about the committee as well. Yeah, it's been very valuable to us. Again, thank you for your contributions. Every one of our advisory councils, just kind of make sure we're getting that voice of the client to make sure we're building things that will actually make sense for your business and not get in the way of your business. So they are very important here and we appreciate you taking the time. Todd, what do you think the biggest opportunity is in this space, say for the next two or three years? And then alternatively, what's the biggest challenge? Are there any really big rocks that we should all be thinking about as it relates to this particular specialty? Well, as far as the challenges of the industry as a whole, I think uh, the advisors are getting older that specialize in this. You know, I've been doing this quite a long time as my resume shows, but, you know, um, we're not getting any younger. And it's a challenge to recruit young talent uh, that not only wants to be an investment advisor and, and, and uh, possibly work 100% on fees or commissions, into this business and then, and then more, more specifically to specialize in something as complicated as ERISA is. So uh, I think from an industry standpoint, recruiting young advisors that are specializing in this business is going to be a challenge and we might have to consider, you know, changing it up. I mean, you know, the, one of the reasons I became an advisor was 
I didn't want an income. I didn't want a W-2 income. I wanted to go out and sell and, and earn my worth. Um, I think the younger generation, there's some that don't think like that. And uh, so maybe we have to, uh, when we're trying to recruit those folks, we have to kind of figure out a different way to compensate these folks uh, moving forward to, to get them interested because at some point, we're all going to retire. So, you know, we, we need to make sure that the next generation of advisors are there uh, providing the same quality services that we are today in this space. Um, the other challenge we have right now is the baby boomers, just in general, the whole defined contribution space was built out on uh, basically the backs of baby boomers. And now that they're all starting to retire, uh, there's a lot of money going out of the system and, you know, less new folks going into the system. So at some point, that's going to be, we're going to have to maybe look at the 401k plan as, as a whole. You know, what are we doing here? How can we improve it for the next generation? And do we need it anymore? Which, you know, obviously the answer to that is yes, but so that's, a, that's another challenge that I think, um, you know, with the outflows of the, of the revenues and not as much inflows coming in, we're going to have to do a better job of, of encouraging folks to, to, you know, save like the baby boomers did. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You bring up a great point, which is we all spend a lot of time in our industry talking about the challenge of less financial professionals overall. And then with a specialty like this, probably one step more difficult and definitely changing compensation and flexibility and, and teaming, right? They want to work in teams, which this, this specialty does lend itself to some of that uh, because of all the complexities for sure. So it might be more of a marketing plan, making some design adjustments for sure, but then a marketing plan around why it's a great opportunity for somebody to get into it that I'm sure some of the organizations that are focused on this will have to get better at, including ours. So that is a, a really, really good point, that it's just one added layer of complexity for sure. And I think, you know, even outside my specialty, I think just investment advisory in general, it's getting tougher and tougher to recruit the younger generation to, to come into that business. So, um, you know, I have friends that just do the retail business and uh, they, they have the same challenges we have trying to recruit people to do 401ks. No, I, I think you're right. You know, it's funny. There, so what I think of, in, at least within Cambridge, is we do have a fair number of advisors that are in their 30s and 40s. They are okay with being there being less of them. So in, in, in concept, if they've taken the leap to be that entrepreneur, they think, well, that's just more business for me. Uh, but they definitely still want to work together. They want to work in teams, so they need others to, you know, for them to come together and, and create um, a business and run their business together. And this is a segment of the business that maybe some at some point into the future, um, it's you know, there's fewer of you, but the masses utilize the specialists at a much more broad level. And that's probably the opportunity that I see perhaps in, into the future with retirement planning as well as some other specialties. What do you think about that? No, I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, obviously the numbers, I mean, back in the, in the nineties and early two thousands, there are a lot of people with like one plan or two plans or, you know, whatever, just trying to on the side, okay, if someone asks them to do it, they do it. When the whole fiduciary stuff started being talked, tossed around and talked about in the late 2000s, some people kind of got shy and kind of went away from the business. 
And then now just with all the regulations and the complexities of, of, of ERISA and what they've done, um, it, it, I think that, you know, we've definitely shrunk in numbers, um, especially also with fee compression. I think it kind of takes away a little bit of the, you know, the, the advisor that just was looking at some additional revenue source. So I think there will be, there'll definitely be a lot less of us. Uh, but with the opportunity of partnering with those that have business relationships, that that business relationship needs help in this area. So uh, I do agree with uh, partnering is a great way, and not only is you know a great way for those that have business relationships is to make sure that business relationship is taken care of, but also partnering is also a great way for the younger folks if they're serious about committing to this space. Uh, that's how you're going to learn. You're going to learn through mentors and partnering with uh, somebody who's been doing it a while. Yeah. Very few will walk off the college campus and be really good at it, right? We know that. <laughs> so we've got to be there for them. Uh, one, attract them. Two, give them the tools that they need to be successful. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I, speaking of that, one of the things that I like to end my podcast with is um, sharing a little bit with our audience about the fact that our career, uh, the, your chosen career, does offer some time for balance and things outside of work. So talk about what your life looks like outside of the office and what do you do in your free time? Sure. I've been married for 34 years to my lovely wife. Uh, we raised two beautiful daughters who are often independent and employed and uh, one's married, one's getting married this October. But uh, my free time really is uh, around family. Uh, we have, you know, cousins and we have aunts and uncles and uh, my in-laws are still alive. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time with family, quite honest. Our kids like hanging out with us, even though they're in their 30s. I mean, so it's all it's all good. So I spend a lot of time with family uh, doing different things. Personally, I like to golf. Uh, I like to, to ride my bike. I have a, a mountain bike that I like to ride and and try to try to stay as healthy as I can possibly stay so that I can be effective Monday through Friday at work. Congratulations on 34 years and more so uh, having, even if they are adults, both of your daughters, it sounds like off the payroll for the most part. So that's good. I don't know yes. that everybody can say that these days. So that's a <laughs> great success. Well, thank you for joining me, Todd. Any closing words for our listeners that you think they should know? Um, no, I just think it's a, if, if they're not already in this business, I think it's a great business and, and there's definitely a need for more advisors, quality advisors. And, um, you know, like I said, the best way to get into it is to uh, read up. Uh, obviously, you can call the retirement center. Those folks there are you know, willing to answer your questions and kind of get you going and steer you in the right direction. But I, I also think it's important to find, uh, you know, experienced advisors that have been doing it a long time to, to, to maybe be your, be your mentor. You know, I had mentors when I was first starting out, and I don't know if I would have been half as successful as I am if I didn't have those mentors. Yeah, that's true. Um, and be proactive about finding them. Sometimes you have to ask somebody to be your mentor. They don't just fall in front of you easily. Well, thanks again for coming onto the show, sharing a little bit about yourself and your business with us. Congratulations on all your successes and being a great example of Cambridge Stronger. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. 
You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. Stronger.